All right, you may be seated. It's always good to see everybody in the house of God. Those of you who are joining us online, we welcome you. Thank you for joining us. 3 John chapter 2, been our foundational scripture. We've been We've been on <laughs> Uh, I just keep hearing, don't, don't, don't lose momentum. Don't lose momentum every time the Lord has me praying over the church and our part. And don't lose momentum. Keep drawing on, on the foundation that we've we've laid, we've built. Pastor was praying out the, the, about the bricks that the each each teaching is. If the word is revelation, the word is our rock. And, and to, to not lose momentum, um, you know, we've just come off of a, a foundation on healing, that it is God's will to heal. Um, and so, either you're here or you're, you're watching online, you, you've been dealing with pain in your chest. Um, if that's you, would you just lift your hand right here, right here, Okay. Church, let's agree. Pain, you listen to me right now in the name of Jesus. You have a name and I demand you to leave their body now in the name of Jesus. And I declare wholeness and I declare peace in their physical body, in their physical heart right now. Subside. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Now, uh, earlier this evening, I, I was just watching over it to see if it was here or where it was at. Uh, report of of cancer. If it's a family member, I want you to I want you to intercede. I want you to to stand in the gap for that family member. But I was in the the, the throne room of of God, and um, and He just showed me. His body and, and uh, uh, cancer just being in a ball. And he says, Trey, it doesn't belong there. Amen. And we know that it's God's will to heal. Amen. And your body and your family's body and our body is the temple of the holy, almighty, precious Amen. God. Yes. And cancer does not belong in our bodies in the name of Jesus. So I want you to agree with our partners of this ministry, the partners of this church, our family members. And right now, cancer, you listen to me. In the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I bind you up and I drive you out of our bodies in the name of Jesus. You be gone now in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it, Father. And we bless you for it in the name of Jesus. This city, Moko, I see it obliterated. I see it gone in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for it. And I bless you for it in Jesus' name. And I thank God that it is his will to heal in the name of Jesus. Church, can we give him praise? Thank you, Father. And we look forward to the reports. Here in this house, watching online, people that listen to CDs, you know it. 
God is just so powerful, and I, I say this as far as people that listen to this down the road, that there is no time and space in the Spirit, you know, and we, there's been times we've been doing TV and different things like that, and the Word of Knowledge begin to operate, and you're taping months in advance, and to hear the miracle, the report of whenever it's aired, the manifestation of that take place, only God can do something like that. Amen. And so we expect reports. I know Joseph said earlier in the, in the, the speaker's room there that there's going to be reports as we're talking about God's will to heal. God's will to prosper. That we expect to hear the reports. If that's the reports that you have, let us know. Send it into the church. We we want to celebrate with you. That's encouraging to people. Amen. Third John two. We're talking about the God of Jacob, part two tonight. It is God's will to heal. I just keep staying. <laughs> And it is God's will to prosper us. Amen. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Beloved, I pray, I wish, I desire that you prosper in all things. Say all things. things. Now, remember when we're talking about prosperity, it doesn't just mean money. A while ago when we were worshiping and you could sense the presence of God, that, that's true prosperity. Amen. That's true prosperity. Because without the presence of God, you can have all the money in the world and you are still broke. Right? You can be whole physically, but without the presence of God, you're still sick. But true prosperity is the presence of God. It's, it's the fullness of God. And, and so whenever we're talking about God's will to prosper, we've learned that word prosper means to advance. It's God's will that his kids advance. It's, it's God's will that his kids progress. Another word for prosperous, progress. Excellence. Moving forward, running over, overflowing, more than enough. I pray, I desire, I wish that you prosper, that you advance, that you progress. The reason we're coming at it with different words like that to, to, to try to break down wrong thinking about just prosperity, that it just goes to money. That God's will to prosper is God's will for us to advance. God's will for us to progress in every area of our life. And he says, even as our soul So how are we going to progress? How are we going to advance? How are we going to enjoy the goodness of God, the excellence of God? It's as our soul prospers. And we're learning that as we prosper inward, we will eventually prosper outward. As we progress inward, we will progress outward. As we advance inward, we will advance outward. As we enjoy His goodness inward, we will enjoy His goodness outward. Proverbs 23, 7, as a a man or woman thinks in their heart, so we are, right? So we we are learning that it's very important for us to prosper in our soul, which is our mind, will, and our emotion to begin to think prosperous. Because when we begin to think prosperous, we begin to believe prosperous. And when we begin to believe prosperous, well, then we begin to expect prosperity, Advancing, progressing, because, but it starts with what? Our thinking. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. Only, only 
to plenteousness, diligently what? Well, Hebrews eleven six says that it's impossible to please God without faith, but those who come to God must know that He is and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. The more I seek Him. So God prospers us as we prosper inwardly. It's God's will to prosper. It's God's will to advance. It's God's will to progress as we progress inwardly. And that's what we're doing, right? We're, we're, we're learning that no, no more poor jokes, right? No more poor thinking. No more poor talking. But in order to eliminate that, because, see, that's passed down from generations. We was at a volleyball game the other night, and this, this young girl, and uh, she threw her trash away, and she went back and dug in the trash because she had lost her coupon. And, and if that, we're going to be right where we're at, right? But see how that way of thinking is passed down from generation to generation? And so if we begin to change the way we think and we begin to think prosperous and believe prosperous, and I'm not saying anything about coupons, I'm just making a point as far as, as the, the thinking. She's a young girl. She doesn't know any better. But, but how our thinking has been passed down, all of us have things we've got to pull down, Right? And that's one thing we're learning, that as we see something in the Word of God, we're asking God, elevate us. That we're not not bringing God down to our living. We're bringing our way of living up to God's way of living, right? We're not watering down just because we might not be experiencing it at the moment to the fullness. We're a work in progress. We're going to start right where where we are, and we're going to progress, right? Because that's what prosperity is, is progression. It's advancement. Amen? So in order to... See prosperity out here. We've got to start seeing it in here. We've got to start seeing ourselves advancing, seeing ourselves progressing. So what does that look like for you? What does it look like for you to move forward? What does that look like in your life for you to think prosperous, to believe prosperous, to talk prosperous? What, what is prosperity? We can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, and we see it, how the Word defines prosperity to us, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And it says, And God is able to make all grace, every favor. Now, now think about every favor. The word favor means preferential treatment. Every preferential treatment, every special advantage, every divine assistance. Why, why, why are we giving more words here to come at it a different way? So we can, it, it, it's going to minister to all of us that God is saying, I am going to make all grace, all supernatural ability, all favor, all divine assistance, all that he is, is what he's saying. And every earthly blessing, the empowerment to move forward, once again, progress, advancement. God's will is for us to prosper. God's will is for us to advance. God's will is for us to, 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 to make strides, right? The footsteps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. And we want leaps a lot of times. We want to go from where we are to millionaire. Well, it, it doesn't happen like that most of the time. It's it's a process, right? Footsteps, but the process is inward. The process is doing what we're doing tonight of renewing our mind to the truth that it is God's will to advance me. It is God's will for me to make progress. It is God's will for me to go forward. It is God's will for us to prosper and be in health even as, even as to the set degree, even as our soul prospers. And right here he says, every favor and earthly blessing come to us in abundance. 
so that we may always, say always, always. and under all circumstances and whatever the need be, self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. So we see that we may always, under all circumstances and whatever the need be, self-sufficient. Always, under all circumstances, whatever the need be, 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 be, God's doing a work in us so he can do a work through us. Amen? So we're learning, okay, what kind of God do we serve? We can go back to the beginning because in Malachi 3, verse 6 says God doesn't change. Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. People change, but God never changes, right? God never changes. And so we go back and we see what kind of the same God he was in the Old Testament. He's still the same God in the New Testament. You don't have a, an Old Testament Holy Spirit, a New Testament Holy Spirit. He, he's, still, he's still the same, right? And so... We, we see what kind of God he is. And so we've tracked what kind of God did Abraham know. And we saw how Abraham knew a God that made him very rich. And we see it, saw Abraham knew a God that led him and guided him and protect him and directed him. Right? But we also looked at what kind of man did God know in Abraham. We saw that God knew a man that was obedient. And that God knew a man that was a worshiper. And God knew a man that was unselfish. And God knew a man that was hospitable. And God knew a man that was a tither. And and in today's standards, he was a a multi-billionaire. Because he was a man that was after the heart of God. And, And what kind of God did Isaac know? Well, God, Isaac knew the God of his father Abraham. He knew the God that made his dad rich. And so whenever Isaac started on his career and his journey and, and he got married and everything, he was a, a multimillionaire, if not billionaire. And, and to the point that God prospered him so much that the kings came to him and asked him to leave the, that part of the country because he was showing them up. That, that is, that's advancing. That's progressing, Right. That's under all circumstances, whatever the need be, self-sufficient, possessed enough to require no aid or support, furnishing abundance for every good work, charitable donation, right? Amen? So we see Isaac knew the God that led him and told him where to sow and where to go and where to be, and God prospered him. And we've learned, started learning last week about the God of Jacob. And how the God of Jacob, he learned about the God of his granddad, Abraham, and he learned about the God of his father, Isaac, but his mother taught him how to be a deceiver to the point that his brother Esau was going to kill him. And so he had to leave from his family. And whenever he left from his family, he headed out with just, uh, just a bag. But let's, let's go over here to Genesis chapter 28. And we're going we're gonna to start continue tracking the God of Jacob. Genesis 28. Say, thank God for the word. Genesis 28, I'm just going to just read it out of the Amplified Translation, verse 11, and follow with me here for just a bit. Verse 11, and he came to a certain place, this is after he had left his father's house, and he came to a certain place and stayed there overnight because the sun was set, taking one of the stones of the place, and he put it under his head and lay down there to sleep, and he dreamed. Pause there for a moment. This isn't our message, but I want to to point this out. That whenever you take the rock that you know, the revelation that you have, and you begin to rest upon it, it begins to paint the dream that God has for your life. 
So I want to encourage you to make sure you're, you're doing what you know to do. Keep, keep the revelations that you have stirred up and make sure you're resting on it because it's going to paint the picture that God has for your life. We begin to see our life from God's perspective when we're resting upon the stones that we have. Amen? Verse 12, And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood over and beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, forefather, and the God of Isaac, and I will give to you and to your descendants the land on which you are lying. And your offspring shall be as countless as the dust or sand of the ground, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south. And by you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed and bless themselves. Now this is the same thing that he spoke to Abraham, and it's the same thing that he spoke to Isaac. And he goes on in verse 15, And behold, I am with you and will keep watch over you with care and take notice of you wherever you may go, and I will bring you back to this land and... For I will not leave you until I have done all, say all, all, of which I have told you. And Jacob woke up from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How to be feared and reverenced in this place. This is none other than the house of God and this is the gateway of heaven. And Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone he had put under his head and he set it up for a pillar, a monument to the vision in his dream and he poured oil on it on its top in dedication. Pause there for a moment. Notice how it takes the rock and the oil. It takes the word and the Holy Spirit to complete what God has called and created us to do. Amen. Keep going. Verse 19. And he named that place Bethel, the house of God, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, notice, notice how, how God shows up to Jacob and how Jacob's starting to interact with God. So parents, I want to encourage you, wherever your kids are at and whatever they're doing, your prayers matter. And your prayers make a difference because you know dad was praying for Jacob. And he left home, Isaac was going to take him out, but then he had an encounter with God. Our God is faithful, amen? And so you see, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me food to eat and clothing to wear so that I may come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. In other words, he was saying that he is going to serve God. Verse 22, and this stone which I've set up as a pillar of monument shall be God's house, a sacred place to me. And of all the increase of possessions that you give me, I will give the tenth to you. So you see... Jacob, who had learned about tithing from Isaac and tithing from his father, grandfather Abraham, he is saying, God, I'm going to honor you not only with my life, but I'm going to honor you with the tenth of everything that I have. So you see, once again, the God that made these people rich, there was that honor back to, to God, that love expression back to God. And I just want to point this out here in verse 1 of 29. It says, and Jacob went briskly and cheerfully on his way. Have you noticed when you have a dream from God? And you have a revelation. Yes, sir. How you start off and there's you're doing it briskly. And you're doing it with the spring in your step. And you're doing it with excitement. But how are you doing next year? And how are you doing it the following year? And how are you doing it five years from now and ten years from now and twenty years from now? How's that step going? <laughs> now go with me to Genesis 31. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Genesis 31, 
Now notice this, we're looking at the God of Jacob. And, and you can read in your own time, there's some really good reading. In, in Genesis 29, 30, I mean, you don't even have to have HBO, some of this stuff. I mean, it, it, I mean you, you see Jacob, he goes to Laban, you know, and, and he starts and he asks to, to marry Rachel. And he's going to marry, or he's going to work for seven years and marry Rachel. And, and this story has always just been so strange to me that, I mean, I know some of you aren't as holy as you are now, so you can relate to this. And he, that party, he partied so much that night that he didn't even know who he was, you know, until the next morning he woke up and said, ah, that's Leah, wrong one. I'm just like, really? Come on, come on now. I mean, you, anyway, and so then. They talk about a reality show. You, you look at Leah and you look at Rachel and they start having baby wars. You know, Rachel, she can't have babies at first, but Leah, I mean, she just, I mean, she's just putting them out now. Just, <laughs> I mean, baby making machine. And, and so then Rachel said, all right, well, I, I can do that. And she goes, she can't have them herself. So she gets her, her maid and she says, Hey, Jacob, and you can just see Jacob. You talk about this, a look on his face. Hey, Jacob, you know, I was just thinking, why don't you sleep with my maid, and then she'll have, she'll have a baby. And you know, oh, oh, baby, if you insist, you know, if you insist me do this. But I don't get it because, Jacob, you know this. It can't end good doing this. I mean, it isn't going to end good. And so here Jacob is. He's like, oh, yeah, Leah's maid. You know, they're making babies. Well, then Rachel gets pregnant and she starts having babies. And Leah doesn't have babies for a while. And so then she gets her maid. And so they have their maids making babies and they're making babies. It's like they're coming against each other. Score four, score five, score six, score six. Score. Yeah. (laughs) That's not the message, but I'll tell you, there's some interesting stuff in here. Anyway, God's will to prosper us. <laughs> Genesis 31. Let's look at this. That's so funny. I'm so glad we can laugh in church. Amen. And if that offends you, you're going to be okay. Genesis 31, verses 1 through 7. Let's just look at this real quick. And Jacob heard Laban's son complaining, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. He has acquired all this wealth and honor. So you see, Jacob, who left his house with nothing, but had an encounter with God, God made the promise to him that the same God that increased Abraham, the same God that increased Isaac, is the same God that's increasing Jacob now, and he acquired all this wealth and honor, verse 2, and Jacob noticed that Laban looked at him less favorably than before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your people, and I will be with you. And so Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah and all the babies uh, to the field to his flock. (laughs) And he said, no more. I'm just kidding. And he said to them, I say, your father looks at me that he is not friendly towards me as before, but the God of my father has been with me. Notice this. The God of my father has been with me. That's true prosperity. You know that I have served your father with all might and power, but your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. Ten times. 
Ten times. Laban changed his wages ten times. Why, why didn't he just get out of there? See, we've learned that because he sowed deception, he had reaped deception. Now, in today's society, we would say, if he got me once, shame on him. If he got me twice, shame on me. You know that's not a scripture. <laughs> that, that's not a scripture. But, but we think a lot of times, I'm too smart for people to get me. But the reality is, without the grace of God, people would get us all the time. That's why it's so important for our trust to be in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways we acknowledge Him and He will direct our steps. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 7 says, Those who trust in the Lord are blessed. We're blessed. We progress. We advance. Remember, it is God's will for us to prosper, right? It is God's will for us to advance, for us to progress. So was it right for Jacob to stay with Laban all this time. What if, what if, the place that God has called you to, what if, now this is, this is part of a position ourselves for God to prosper us. What if, what if they're hard? What if they're, they're rude? What if they take advantage of us? What if they're deceiving? Is it right, was it right, for Jacob to stay with Laban these 20 years is what he ended up staying with him? Because, see, it's very important once the Spirit of God leads us somewhere for us to stay there until he leads us away from there. And so in order for God to prosper us and for us to progress and for us to advance, the enemy knows that the place that God has led you to is the place that God is going to increase you and prosper you. So he's going to do everything he can to separate you and disconnect you from the place that the Spirit of God has led you to. Because if I'm not where God told me to be, then where am I? I'm out of the perfect will of God. Therefore, I can't experience the perfect will of God blessings. So if I want the perfect will of God blessings, then I've got to be in the process of being in the will of God. Remember, he says, as we renew our mind, we're going to progress from the acceptable to the good to the perfect will of God. There's a progression that takes place as we prospered inwardly. We're being led from this place. That, that was God's perfect will at the time. Then we're led to this place. But every step of the way, the devil wants to get you away from where God has called you to. He wants to separate you from that relationship. He wants to separate you from that house. He wants... How does he do that? By getting you mad? By getting you offended? By getting your feelings hurt? Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. And as you, you go over there, I, I want to read, read this part to you here in Ecclesiastes 10.4. It says, If the temper of the ruler rises up against you, do not leave your place. Or show a resisting spirit 
I want to read it again. If the temper of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place or show a resisting spirit. If the temper of the ruler rises up against you, do not, do not leave your place or show a resisting spirit. See, one of the things to our prosperity is us being led by the Spirit of God. Isaiah 48, 17 says, For thus says the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teaches you to profit and lead you in the way you should go. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, we are the sons of God. God is going to lead us to the place that He has for us. But could there be hard times there? Could there be leaders in our life that maybe don't do things the way we like? Are you at 1 Peter chapter 2? Let's look at this. Verse 13. If you're taking note, please write this down. That when God puts you in a place, He will support you with the grace. When God puts you in a place, He will support you with grace. The grace. Now we're answering the question, was it, was it good that Jacob stayed with Laban all these years? And the answer is yes. Because that's where God led him and God did not instruct him to leave for 20 years. And he changed his wages 10 times within this process, but he stayed. Why? Because the word of God was stronger than his feelings. The Word of God was stronger than his emotions. The Word of God was stronger than his hurt. Do you think he had an opportunity to be offended? When he thought he was marrying one girl but ended up with another girl? He had worked seven years. Not seven minutes. Not seven days. Not seven weeks. Not seven months. Seven years. And then worked another seven years. And then worked another six years just for his flocks. You think he had an opportunity to get ticked? You think he had an opportunity to... Why God, why? (laughs) Speaking some of your language, right? First Peter chapter 2, we'll move on. Verse 13, it says, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free Yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as a bondservant of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Pause there for a moment. Peter, who's writing this, you know what king he's talking about there? He's talking about Herod Agrippa. And this is the king that had him and James arrested. And this is the king that cut James's head off. And Peter was in prison the same time James was. And at this time, whenever James's head got cut off, well, he was going next because he, he looked at the Jews and the Christians and he was a man pleaser. And so he realized that there was a big, big uh, 
battle going on between the two, but there were more Jews, so he went with what the Jews wanted, and so they wanted James's head, so he cut James's head off. Next, he was going to Peter's, but the Bible says the church began to pray. Yes, sir. And when the church began to pray, remember the story, the angel visited Peter in the prison, and he opened up the prison door and let him outside to the town, and he shows up. This is so funny to me. He shows up at the church that are praying, and he knocks on the door. Knocka, 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 knocka. And then they've been in there, you know, they're, you know, they're, 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 and they open the door, ah! shut the door. Who is it? It's Peter. Open the door. We've been praying for this. You know, sometimes when we get what we've been praying for, it's like, whoa, yeah, whoa, yeah. I meant, meant, yeah, Lord. I knew that was happening. But on a serious note here, this is who Peter is talking about. Peter is saying, honor, honor the king. But you know, right after that, if just not long after that at all, Herod Agrippa stood up and he allowed people to call him a god. And he was eaten by worms. Was he an authority? Was he a wicked authority? Did he hit the judgment of God? Yeah. So if we know that our father, he's not a child abuser. He loves us and he's doing everything he can to lead us to that place of progress and advancement. Whenever we read about authority in the Bible, it should bring peace. And it should bring confidence. And it should bring a boldness on the inside of us. Because when it talks about authority in the kingdom of God... It's talking about provision. It's talking about His presence. And whenever you read about authority throughout the New Testament, usually it, 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 it's talking about all, all areas of authority, from civil authority, which includes the president, and includes police officers, it includes um, the mayor, the governor, it includes those that civil authority. It's talking about family authority, which you know what that is, talking about church authority, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, talking about social authority, which is coaches, teachers, bosses, stuff like that. So when God speaks of authority and how we should relate to authority, it's for our benefit. It's to lead us. It's to protect us. It's to Remember, he's leading us to profit. He's leading us to prosper. It's God's will to prosper. This is part of prospering is our interaction and our understanding and our perception of authority. Now, how hard would it have been for Peter to say, honor, honor the king? Because he wasn't looking at a man. He was looking at the office. And he was looking at the authority. And he understood that, yes, there's direct authority with God, but then there's also delegated authority. And he understood that my degree of understanding of God's direct authority comes through delegated authority. And so when I understand God's delegated authority and I can honor God's delegated authority, then I can honor God's direct authority. But church, we've got to mature. We've got to grow up because I can't mature outside the will of God. I can't mature going around God's way of doing things. I, I, I can't mature the spirit leading me somewhere and my feelings leading me somewhere else. Romans 13. Wait, 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 wait. There, I, didn't fin- I, I want to read verse 18. 
Amplified. I'll, I'll read verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18, because this is very important here. You who are household servants, be submissive to your masters with all proper respect, not only to those who are kind and considerate and reasonable, but also to those who are surely overbearing, unjust, and crooked. Notice how he says to be submissive to the kind and gentle, but also to the harsh. Would God tell you to submit to somebody who's rude? Would God tell you to submit to somebody who's harsh? Would God tell you to submit to somebody who is a deceiver? Would God tell you to submit to somebody who doesn't do things the way you think they should be done? See, there's no submission until there's disagreement. So if we disagree with the president, the mayor, or the police officer, there's no submission until there's disagreement. If we disagree with the authority in the church, there's no submission until there's disagreement. Our father is a good father, and he wants us to prosper. But you see the spirit of rebellion against authority in our world, and it's so very important that we... I was praying, you know, this is one of those messages I was like, Lord, really? Come on. But so sternly, he says, Trey, my people need this like never before. Because even in the churches, we have got to the point where we think it's okay to voice our opinion about the president. We think it's okay to voice our opinion about the mayor and about police officers and about authority just because we feel like we can. And our opinion doesn't matter if it doesn't line up with the Word of God. That's why 2 Timothy, he tells us, pray for those who are in authority. Pray. Would God have us submit to somebody who was rude and harsh? Can you picture Jesus in today's society ministering, talking to people? Shows up, you brood of vipers! (laughs) How dare you, yeah. Who do you think you are? Or, or how about, here, here's Peter walking on the water. Peter gets out of the boat, walking on the water. Peter, bloop, 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 sinks. Jesus saves him. Peter, where's your faith? Why did you doubt? Next day, Peter's at the therapist. <laughs> Doc, you should have heard him. You should have heard him, Doc. I, I've been there for Jesus the whole time. I'm the first one there and the last one to leave, Doc. I mean, I've done everything. He says, go get fish, I go get fish. Go get bread, I go get bread. I've walked so much, I mean, i got balls of mud in between my toes. <laughs> you should have seen it, Doc. I was walking on the water. Me, me, nobody else. I was walking on the water. Walking, walking, me and Jesus. Only people ever walked on the water. <laughs> ah! Yeah, so what? I got to looking at the waves a little bit. <laughs> got to feeling the water hitting my face. Freaked out a little. <laughs> Bloop, 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 bloop. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm swimming. Swimming, Doc. Sure enough, Jesus saves me, but he didn't. When he saved me, he didn't say one word about my good steps. He didn't say one word about Pete. Way to get out of the boat. You know what he said? Where's your faith? He's rude. He's just so rude. I'm out of here. How would that be in today's society? 
And you hear people a lot of times talking about they're just so abusive, that boss is so abusive, that that, that spouse is so abusive. And and if you are in a physically abusive relationship, you need to get out of it as far as separate. Even David didn't hang out in the palace when Saul was throwing javelins, right? He was out here. He kept his honor, kept his respect. And that, that, that's a side note there. But, but you hear this a lot. That, that person is so verbally abusive. That's what they would have said about Jesus. He's just so verbally abusive. And most of the time, you know what that is? People who can't take correction. People who can't take instruction. And you hear this saying a lot, well, I'll submit to God, but I'm not submitting to a man. And it's impossible to submit to God if you can't submit to leaders. Thank you, Jesus. First Peter chapter 5. See, God deserves our best. The word deserves our best. The presence of God deserves our best. Our best. It's very important. And I, I don't know exactly how the Lord is going to go about it, but I know it's going to come. He's going to do a good job of it. <laughs> of, of reinstating the, just the fear of God, the respect of God, the respect for the things of God and God's way of doing it. In order... For the latter to be greater than the former, the fear of God has to be a key ingredient. And, and, and we've got to train ourselves. We was talking to one of our kids this weekend just about training yourself. Because it's, and I'm a pastor, I'm sure, then we'll, uh, you know, go along with this. It's something sometimes when the peace of God is so strong after worship. And, and it just, people have been, they've been battling all week. They're tired. Everybody's going through different things in life. And the peace of God, they get in the house of God and it's, And they go to sleep because of the peace of God. That's what they crave. It's what they, it's what they desire. And we want that peace. But at the same time, we've got to train ourselves to be diligent. Train ourselves to be focused. Train ourselves to give God our best. To give God our best listening. To give God our concentration. Because this is where God is speaking. God Almighty is speaking. God Himself, the Creator of heaven and earth, He is speaking. But then we let our mind wander. Oh, yeah, taste that enchilada. <laughs> or, or, or maybe your answer is, I mean, it's right there. You're believing God for an answer, and all of a sudden, Wah! baby cries, and you look, and your answer is right then. Because you didn't train yourself to concentrate. Not because God's sitting up there trying to see what he can get by you. He's wanting to get the answer, and he is speaking but we've got to train ourselves to concentrate, train ourselves to give it our best. First Peter chapter 5. So Laban burnt Jacob ten times. Was it right for him to stay? First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders 
Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Now notice how he connects humility and resisting the devil. Humility and standing in faith. But he also connects pride... And devouring. So he says, okay, remember our father, it's his will for us to prosper, which means to progress, which means to advance, which is to to experience the goodness of God. He says, okay, humility and submission are going to go hand in hand in order for you to stand in faith. Where pride goes right along with devouring. He goes on to say, verse 10... But may the God of all grace who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Notice this, verse 10. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, after you have suffered a while, and he's not talking about suffering from sickness or suffering from lack. He is talking about suffering, putting your flesh under. That you're submitting your will. Remember, he's talking about submission. Humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. It it is suffering when we don't get our way. It is suffering, and just for time's sake, I'll just refer to it. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, whenever you can look at it in your own time, it talks about Jesus, how he learned obedience through his suffering. He didn't suffer sickness. He wasn't suffering lack. He would remember the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26. He says, Lord, not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, not my will, but your will three times. Lord, not my will, but your will. What was he doing? He was submitting his will to the Father's will. And because he submitted his will to the Father's will, it says that he became the purest form and the author of salvation because he suffered a while and God made him perfect. And, And so it says right here that if you want to be steady... And you want to be solid. And you want to be established. It's going to come after there's some suffering. Not my will, but your will. It, it, it's obedience. Exactly. Obedience. The Lord, I, I'm willing. Not my will, but your will be done. So is it, you know, Brother Hagen has a book. Is it God's will for Christians to suffer? Well, it's not talking about suffering. Sickness, suffering, lack. It's talking about suffering. The, our will. Our will submitted God's will for us to prosper. How's he going to do it? He's going to lead us to the place. But then it's up to us to make a decision to stay in the place. And not allow our feelings and our emotions to lead us away from the place that God has created us to be. And remember, if God puts you in a place, he has the grace to support you there. You have the grace to submit. You have the grace to, Lord, I, I... I don't agree with it, but I, I'm trusting. I'm, I'm honoring. You pray for those in authority. You keep being the best you that you can be. Amen. And then whenever you open your mouth, you make sure it's with honor. You make sure that it's with respect. You, you remember in Numbers chapter 12, you see um, Aaron and Miriam. Remember, remember that story with Moses? Here Moses is, that he's the leader. Moses' wife bailed on him. 
And so he's by himself for a while. And then Moses marries an Ethiopian woman. And, and during this time right here, because Moses had it, Miriam and Aaron, which they both, Aaron stood in office of prophet. Miriam was a prophetess. She stepped in next to her brother Moses to help make some decisions and be stable. But whenever Moses got married to the Ethiopian woman, she didn't like it because she was fixing to get replaced. And so she began to say, her and Aaron got together. They didn't like Moses with the decision he's making. Does God only speak to him? And the word said, God got angry. And he says, okay, you three, <laughs> out to the tent of meetings. The glory of God came. He said, Aaron, Miriam, Yes, sir. And he began to talk to them about how God talked to them in, in visions and in dreams. But he talked to Moses face to face. And he says, he sees me in a way that you don't see me. He knows me in a way that you don't know me. And whenever you talked about him, you were talking against me. The glory of God left. And what happened? Miriam, she had leprosy. But you see Moses' heart. I think this is so funny too because the Bible says Moses was the most humble man in all the earth. You know who wrote that? Moses. <laughs> in our day in society, we say, well, that boy's arrogant. But see, he was saying about himself what God said. That's true humility. True humility is when you start talking about yourself the way that God talks about you. You start thinking about yourself the way that God thinks about you. You start believing about yourself the way that God believes about you. And Moses, he stepped in and says, Lord, and he interceded and he prays to God, heal her. The Lord says, okay, after seven days, she'll be restored. And then they went on. Don't you think the fear of God was reestablished back into that place? <laughs> how, how do you do when it comes to authority? Romans chapter 13, it begins to talk to us about authority and stuff again. And he says, they're God's ministers. It says whenever you pay taxes, realize that you're, you're paying God's ministers, not, not necessarily the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, but, but the police officers, the, our military that protect us. He says, so pay your taxes with honor and respect. And it's a privilege to get to be a part of paying our civil authorities and our social authorities. Because in order for us to walk in prosperity, we've got to understand Understand that God has put authority in place for our protection and our provision. And even if they are rude and even if they are harsh and even if they don't do things right, it does not change God. God is bigger than them. God is greater than them. God has our back. When we stay in truth, we're led by the spirit of truth. And he will always lead us to triumph in Christ Jesus, regardless of what the authorities are doing. Keep our eyes focused on him and not on people. Amen? Genesis 31. We're getting ready to be closed. Genesis 31. Getting ready to be done. Verse 38. Genesis 31, verse 38. 38 says, These 20 years I have been with you. These 20 years... 
Your ewes and your she-goats have not lost their young, and the rams of your flock have not been eaten by me. I did not bring you the carcasses of the animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss of it. You required of me to make good all that was stolen, whether it occurred by day or by night. This was my lot. By day, the heat consumed me. By night, the cold, and I could not sleep. In other words, I worked my tail off for you for 20 years. When somebody, they they lost a sheep or something, I didn't come say, No, he just paid for it because it was under his care. And he says, verse 41, I have been 20 years in your house. I have served you 14 years for two daughters, six years for the flock, and you have changed my wages 10 times. Why is 20 years important? Because in 20 years, you get some things worked out. In 20 years, you realize who's faithful and who's not. In 20 years, see, there is a process. See, God had promised him the same promise Abraham had, the same promise Isaac has, the same promise that I I gave you, Jacob. But I've got to work some things out on the inside of you. And God didn't direct him to leave from his position with Laban for 20 years. And we want things right now. And yes, God is a God of now and God is a God of suddenlies and God is a God of faith and faith is always now. But on the inside, it is a process for us mature to a point because if we don't handle authority right, we're not going to handle money right. You see Elijah and Elisha. Second Kings, you can read it in your own time. Elijah served this guy for 10 years and this guy was up and down and all around. You talk about emotional... One point, he's whooping 450 false prophets. The next one, he's running from a woman. And the Lord, just take me out. I just want to die, Lord. If he really would have wanted to die, he could have just stayed right down there and she would have taken him out, right? But he was up and he was down, but he stayed faithful. Say faithful. Faithful, 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 faithful. It's important to be faithful even when you see the leader's insecurities. It is important to be faithful even when you see them being rude and harsh and not handling things correctly. It is important to be faithful because God is working something on the inside of us that can't come any other way than by being faithful. Remember when he showed up to Aaron and Miriam? He said, Moses has been faithful in all my house. And nobody else would do it. Mo would do it. Mo would stay the course. Nobody would go up to Pharaoh. Mo was my man. Nobody would stand up in the Red Sea. Mo, you got the call, Mo. Mo was faithful. What is he going to say about you? Whenever he returns... He said he wants to find faith upon the earth. And he's not talking about a one-time faith. He's talking about the faithful. 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 Think about our prophetic word that, that God has given to us. And during this time of the great breaking loose, the enemy will no longer be able to hold back that which my faithful ones have stood in faith for. Not even the things that looked as though they would never come to pass. For I will cause them to break loose and to suddenly manifest and to do so in such a way that no one will be able to deny the greatness of our God. Yes, 2016 will be a year in which the faithful shall be rewarded. Proverbs 28 verse 20 says, The faithful person abounds with blessing. God's will is for us to prosper, to progress, to advance, to experience more than enough, to experience excellence and goodness. But a key ingredient is faithful faithfulness. Stay in your place. Wherever God has led you, stay in your place. Because in that place is your grace. 
Don't allow your emotions to take you away. Don't allow your feelings to take you away. Don't get mad and upset and allow it to drive you away from the thing that God has called you to because that's where your prosperity is, but it's going to take faithfulness. Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. Remember, Paul showed up to Timothy, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. He, or in uh, 2 Timothy, he says, you, you need to be looking for the faithful. He says, if you want to pass something on to somebody, you need to find somebody who's faithful. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2, it says, a steward must be found faithful. Matthew chapter 25, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Faithful, 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 faithful. Many are called, but few are Faithful, chosen, they're faithful. They're, they're choosing to be chosen. They're faithful to the process. They're faithful. They're faithful. Revelations chapter 19, verse 11. John, he says, I saw the heavens open up. And whenever I saw the heavens opened up, I saw a white horse appeared. And on this horse appeared the one who had on them written faithful and true. Faithful. Our Jesus is faithful. Our God is faithful. Thank God he is faithful. Then Paul tells us in Ephesians 5, 1, he says, be imitators of God as dear children. If he's faithful, what does that call us to be? Faithful. And whenever we're faithful to our authorities, when we're faithful to where God has led us to, then we're being faithful to God. We're being faithful to God. God's will is for us to prosper. Was it good that Jacob stayed with Laban 20 years. Even when he was rude and deceitful and harsh and mean. Yes. Yes. Because Peter tells us after we've suffered a while, and the God of all peace makes us steady. Makes us steady. You know why pastor's steady? Because he's been faithful. You know why Dr. Savell's steady? Because he's been faithful. You know why that some of you are steady? Because you've been faithful. You've been faithful. Even when things weren't right, you were faithful. Even when it was hard, you were faithful. You were faithful to God. You were faithful to your leaders. You were a faithful person. Let's stand to our feet. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I I ask you as the ultimate heart surgeon. As I was talking about authority and I was talking about leaders... With heads bowed and eyes closed. There were several of you. That pictures of leaders and your heart cringed. When I started talking about submitting to leadership and authority. Because of what you've gone through. Or because of what you've been taught or because of your perceptions, or because some of them have left you, and some of them have lied to you, and some of them have deceived you, and some of them have hurt you and harmed you. And whenever you hear about submitting to authority, it makes you cringe on the inside. If that was you, would you just slip your hand up in the air? Several of you. Put your hands down. Now, church, I want us to agree. And I'm believing, God, that that is uprooted tonight and that heart is healed. Jesus is the healer of the brokenhearted. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to flood into those hearts right now. And I uproot the hurt and I uproot the pain and I let it know it does not have any any more hold on the inside of their hearts. That they see authority from your perspective. 
And Holy Spirit, I'm asking for that revelation that they see authority as good and as a place of protection and as a place to get them to their destiny. And that, Father, that disrespect and that dishonor and that fear that rises up on the inside of them, I demand it to be gone now in Jesus' name. And Father, your word says that perfected love cast out all fear because you love us. There's no fear whenever it comes to authority because you love us. We understand your kingdom and the way that you do things. It is for our benefit. It is for our prosperity. It is for our health. It is for our protection. It is for our guidance. And Father, I declare that a spirit of loyalty and faithfulness, that choice to be faithful, rises up on the inside of each and every one of us. That Lord, where you've led us, we are going to stay, and we are going to stay, and we are going to stay, and we're going to keep obeying. We're going to keep putting the rock under our head and anointing it with oil, and we're going to keep applying it. And we ask you to show us the dream that you have for our life in this church. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord praise? Hallelujah. Pastor. Excellent word, Trey. It's, it's not a, in the natural, it's not an easy message to preach. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because you know, a lot of times people want the fluff of prosperity, but they don't want the meat of what prosperity is about. You know, a lot of people want to, I, I just want money. <laughs> and you'll still be broke because you just want money. You got to want God more than you want money. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I just heard as Trey was praying there at the end, I also heard this. Put a guard over your mouth. I, I kept hearing that. Put a guard over your mouth because some of you, you have issues with people you work with, people that you're under in that aspect. And, 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 and don't, yeah, just watch how you even talk about them at home. Watch how you talk to them about your spouse. You know, put it, especially with your spouses, put a guard with each other and say, hey, you know, wait a minute. Yeah, you can communicate to me how you feel, what you're going on, but hey, let's, let's not, we're not going to bash this person. And just watch her put a guard over your mouth. So I'm telling you, that, that opens the enemy. And I'm telling you, no, you, that's the thing is we're going we're gonna to honor. And, and it's not just honoring in front of someone. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot, you know, a lot of times that people like to, you know, the, it's it's easy to submit to someone in person, but will you submit to him when you're not around them? That's what that's what that's what integrity is all about. You know that that's that's what integrity. Yeah, you, know, you know it's like I said, it's it's easy to to put on a front in some in front of someone, but do you really honor someone? That's how you honor them, and just what you do in their presence, but you do in your, in your private. This is it's not. I'm not saying it's easy. <laughs> Didn't say it was easy, but it's just some, these, these are things, and these will produce pro, a prosperous life. And he said, I just want, I just want the money. I, I'm telling you, humble yourself and he will exalt. That, that's, pros, that's prosperity. Amen. Also, Father, we receive this word. Just as the word is a mirror, Father. So I just thank you, Lord, that you reveal to us. And even as situations arise. Even when we don't even uh, know we're doing certain things, that just this word would come up in our thinking. The Holy Spirit would quicken this teaching to us, and we would we would know how to make adjustments and corrections. Even as things are coming out of our mouth, we we say, "Hold on, I got to stop that." Oh, okay, I, I see that. I need to get that out. Because well, we want you. We want your perfect will. Hallelujah. So, Father, we just thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness in our lives. 
In Jesus' name, amen. God is good. Give God praise for his word. Amen. You can all be seated just for a moment.